In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. 
And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your just decrees. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love, and teach me your statutes. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the love of Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now in Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your just decrees. be to God on high. The Lord be with you. 
pray. Lord, we implore you, grant your people grace to withstand the temptations of the devil and with pure hearts and minds to follow you, the only God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 17th Sunday after Trinity is from Proverbs chapter 25. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence, or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, Come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of the noble. What if your eyes have what your eyes have seen do not hastily bring into court? For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another's secret. Lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, and your ill repute have no end. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold, is a wise reproof to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle lesson is from Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to, you, to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, O Lord, deal with thy servant according to, the, to thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Hallelujah. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel from Luke chapter 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. 
Now he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place, so that when your host comes he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table, at, sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of our Lord. join together and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed on page 22. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. For us men, and for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. We sing hymn 412.
Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. basis for our meditation this morning is our gospel lesson. May the blessings of the eternal God be upon us and upon our work in worship. His light to guide us, His presence to strengthen us, His love to unite us now and always. Amen. While our culture doesn't spend a great time on the topic of stations in life, we still almost instinctively evaluate ourselves in light of the people around us and try to determine where we fit in the social matrix of work and home and school and, and even church. And usually we don't like where we find ourselves. And that means we're consumed with the drive to advance our station in life. As our thoughts focus on ways to promote self, take care of self, and protect ourselves, we discover that we've fallen into the pit self-exaltation. Our theme verse for today is from is Luke chapter 14 verse 11. Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This verse seems to be aimed with deadly accuracy at the lifestyle that many of us consciously or subconsciously live. The prominence of self-exaltation should not be surprising to us. It was actually part of the original sin. The serpent said to Eve, well, you'll become like God. As good as Adam and Eve had it in that perfect garden, well, seems like they must have wanted a little bit more. They took the fruit, they ate it, and in a literal sense, all hell broke loose. No longer did they talk with God. No longer did they walk with God. They ran away from God. They hid in shame. Once, once they knew how to only speak words of truth to God, now they spoke lies and deception. Eve's temptation, her sin, inspired by a desire to exalt herself, broke everything. It broke their relationship with God. It broke their relationship with the perfect creation around them. It broke their relationship with each other. And the pain of that broken relationship can be felt as Adam, just a few verses earlier, he just, he just got through saying those tender words of, of love this at last is, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And now he's like, hey, it's that woman you gave me. She did this. And we've been using the heads of other people to leverage ourselves to a better station in life ever since. Luke 14 contains three teaching moments that describe the depth of the brokenness caused by self-exaltation. Christ came to restore our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. 
And through this encounter with the Pharisees in the two parables, we're going to talk about one of them this morning. There's another one after our text. Jesus not only demonstrates the impact of self-exaltation in our lives, he also demonstrates our desperate need for healing. The opening sentence sets a rather ominous tone to the whole chapter. So here's one Sabbath, Jesus is invited to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee. The text says they were watching him carefully. The day mentioned here were Jesus' enemies, later called out as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Perhaps not all the Pharisees were enemies of Jesus. Just a few verses before our text, some of the Pharisees warned Jesus that Herod wants to kill him and he needs to get away from there. And that was probably true. Herod probably did want to kill Jesus, but maybe they were just trying to get Jesus to go on somewhere else because of all the attention that he was attracting. Either way, they were, there were obvious, it was obvious, there were obviously some Pharisees that wanted Jesus out of the way badly enough to devise a plan and attempt to get rid of him. When Jesus goes to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Now, dropsy refers to someone who has an excess of fluid that builds up in parts of their body, usually around the joints. Dropsy is what we today call edema. Some commentators suggest the common understanding in Jesus' day held that this condition was the result of sexual immorality. And there was actually a test for marital unfaithfulness in the Old Testament that looked for a swelling of the abdomen in Numbers chapter 5. It's possible this person had just shown up, but I bet he was more of a plant, that part, part of the trap, part of the plan. See, it's the Sabbath. It's Ill illegal to work on the Sabbath, so Jesus is probably already seated. And this person either figures out how to sneak in and see Jesus, or someone escorts him in, which seems to me far more likely. The Pharisees are staring, and all the other dinner guests are anticipating and it all stops when Jesus sees this man in need. Jesus asks his host, and he asks the other guests, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Simple question. They all knew the law, but everyone remained silent. And here's the thing. When you're blind, you can stare all day long and not see a thing, right? Well, the Pharisees didn't see a man in need. All they saw was a way that might cause Jesus to stumble, at least stumble as far as they were concerned. First, they want to know, would he actually do a little work? Would he heal on the Sabbath? That was, of course, you know, nobody, it was one of those things, the Mosaic Law probably didn't really address healing on the Sabbath. Nobody could do that, so it wasn't, may not have been a, that big of an issue, but it, it was some kind of work. They didn't, didn't, they wanted to catch Jesus at least doing some kind of work. And second, will he heal someone who they believe is obviously suffering because of his sin and guilt? I mean, after all, they think God is punishing this man, and, and, and they're bound to be thinking, well, well, who are we? Who is this Jesus to interfere with God's punishment? See, in their blindness, they looked intently, but they didn't see. Self-exaltation had blinded them. Their zeal to be better than Jesus became their downfall. The man was not an object lesson on the importance of the Mosaic Law. He was just a faceless chunk of bait for their trap. But Jesus saw. He saw a man for what he was, a child of God in need, suffering in the misery and the shame of his disease. And he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? 
And they could not reply to these things. In compassion for this broken man, Jesus spoke words of life, words of healing. To be healed must have been amazing for that man, but to be seen as a possession of the Most High, well, that, that would be divine. Our drive to exalt ourselves blinds us to the needs of others around us. It breaks our sense of community as we cease to notice others and cease to care for others. The second event in our text comes in the form of a parable. It's a bit different from some of the more familiar parables. I mean, those, for example, have a, there's a farmer and a builder or a servant. But in this parable, the people he's talking to become the main characters. Now, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, but someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will, be, then you will begin with saying to take the lowest place, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Let's say you've been invited to a wedding, at the, and at the party after the, the wedding, there's you know a room full of tables arrayed with fantastic food and all kinds of treats to delight all the guests. But as with all things, the wedding party table, well, it has the best of everything, right? There are champagne glasses, there are actual crystal glasses, there are plates of actually fine china. A waiter attends to their every need. You know you don't belong there, so you willingly pass one of what we might call the first class section. So you go and you pause at the business class section of the hall. The champagne glasses are plastic, but it's still champagne in the glasses. The plates and the forks are plastic, and there's a couple of waiters to manage the crowd of about a dozen or so tables. You find the best seat in this second section, and that's where you sit. When more people start filling the seats, you're so thankful that you're not in the back of the room, back there in the coach section. Well, then the father of the bride walks up to you, and optimistically, you look up, and, and it looks like he's going to call you up to the wedding party table. Sure, you don't really know them all that well, but with your great personality and your amazing wit, you're bound to be the life of any party. But you know what happens next? It's worse than just having to be seated in the coach section of the celebration hall. You're publicly humiliated by the bride's father because he calls you out as not worthy of the plastic plates and cups. You're going to be sent back to the paper plates and folding chairs part of the room. The coach section of the hall. Humiliation is such a miserable thing, isn't it? When we exalt ourselves, we lose the ability to see ourselves for who we are. The words of verse 11 are important. That verse is an opportunity as much as it is a challenge along with the warning of promises made for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility begins with the realization that we're wrong in our thinking and rebellious in our practices. The heart of repentance is dependence on Christ. In Christ, our brokenness is healed, and we're no longer separated from God. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of, of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility.
The driving force of self-exaltation is defeated in Christ. With his blood, Christ has healed the brokenness that separated us from God and from one another. In addition, he has given us freedom from the very thing that drives us to self-exaltation, and that is fear. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Notice that our anxiety that fights, or notice that it is our anxiety that fights against humility. We strive to exalt ourselves because we're afraid of others looking down on us. We're afraid of being considered weak. We're afraid of missing out on something. In place of fear that leads to brokenness and separation, God gives us faith and His perfect love. 1 John chapter 4 says, Perfect love casts out all fear. Never again need we fear being overlooked and unloved. For by His death and resurrection, Christ has honored us every good thing. My prayer for you today is that as you leave in God's perfect love and promised provision for your life, you will embrace the newfound community that we have in Christ. You will embrace your newfound community as you notice other people. You notice their needs. You notice their hopes. You just notice them as people. You will embrace your newfound community as you walk in the new identity that you have in Christ. You will embrace your newfound community as you strive to practice a radical hospitality that reflects the Father's unconditional love. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in faith now and always. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to God's house. I'm glad to be here to help Pastor Parsons out today and good to see all of I know a lot of familiar faces out there this morning. Uh, don't really have the announcements, particularly the blue sheet of paper that's in your bulletin is pretty much everything that's going on and everything that's scheduled to go on. So you might refer to that. Uh, does anybody else, anybody else have any announcements? All right, uh, if not then, uh, please stand as we continue with the prayers of the church. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For faith to treasure our place of honor at the table of the Lord, which he has won for us through his humble sacrifice and for boldness to spurn the foolish honors of this world.
Let us pray to the Lord for this congregation, this mission, and its people, for the ability to do the work God has given us to do, and for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who are married, that they would continue to be faithful to one another in their marriage vows and welcome God's gift of children in this union as He wills it. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who are afflicted, especially Doris, Mary Ann, Bill, Joyce, Mary, Mark, Eddie, Norma, Kim, Suzette, Martha, Marilyn, Glenn, Dean, Terry, Tony, Chris, Marion, Meredith, James, George, Larry, Earl, Suzette, Reverend Bob, Mallory, Mark, Hank, Haley, Jay, Tracy, Michelle, Carl, Karen, Jimmy, Tina, Ansley, Kevin, Ron, Thelma, Jesse, Ralph, Theo, Easton, Doug, Hugh, Waylon, Ryan, and all who in our silently name. For those who grieve the loss of loved ones, especially Hyle, Blunt, Davis, Champ, Blackwell, Cooper, Tatum, Rogers, Teckle, Gross, Boransig, Parsons, Freeman, Nielsen, Espatcher, Schwartz, Gilardi, Whitfield families, and all who those who were now silently named. For the dying, that God would grant them peace at the last, and for hope that we may anticipate with joy the blessed reunion of those who have gone before at the marriage supper of the Lamb in his kingdom without end. Let us pray to the Lord. For a humble faith, for joy in the mercy of God who has raised up the poor and the undeserving and given us a place at his table, and for the work of the Spirit to bring us to repentance and keep us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who will receive the Lord's Supper today, that we would do so in repentance and faith. And for the whole body of Christ, that all believers would be strengthened through the forgiveness of sins promised in the Scriptures and the life everlasting. Let us pray to the Lord. Remember your people, O Lord, as we await the glory of Christ's appearing. Enable us by your grace to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in, his present age, in this present age. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Continue with the service of the sacrament on page 